This is West Coast Sasquatch Research. Greetings, I'm your host, Jerry Matthews, and this is Sasquatch 101 Part 3. In today's podcast, dear listener, we're going to look into nests, tree breaks, wood knocking, and all kinds of shenanigans. Then, we'll pay a visit to the Bigfoot Sasquatch community at the tail end of the podcast. So, welcome to all, and let's get right to it. First of all, I, I can tell you from the outset that... I will not be praised for my outlook on many of these matters by the, quote, fringe believers. But at the outset, I would also like to say that many believers are wonderful people. The difference between them and the fringe believers are fringe believers believe without reservation in Sasquatch. If it's any kind of proof whatsoever that promotes Sasquatch as an existing creature, they're for it, sight unseen. Fringe believers believe in hoaxers and the misinformation they peddle. And, you know, they'll even defend these hoaxers as long as the evidence matches up with what they imagine in their own mind as to be proof of Sasquatch. So fringe believers believe in unhinged researchers and they'll, uh, they'll defend these guys. You know, uh, these guys that put out the most outlandish dribble, and these people will, you know, they'll just uh, suck it up. But we'll talk about fringe believers some more in the Bigfoot Sasquatch community section of this podcast. Remember what I said in other podcasts, stand for something or fall for anything. So let's jump in and take a peek at big ticket evidence and talk about the seldom-mentioned origins of each, shall we? Let's start with wood knocks. Now, this is a favorite among TV researchers. But, you know, in 18 years, I've never observed a Sasquatch knocking a a branch against a tree, and I've never met anyone who has ever seen such a thing either. Now, one would think that to make this a characteristic of a Sasquatch— then there must have been a great deal of observation involved of the creature performing this act. Sorry, but no one has ever witnessed a Sasquatch doing that deed. And if they did, where's the video, picture, or witnesses to the act? Not the sound of wood knocking. I think that, like uh, most evidence that'll be put uh, before you, you'll have to make up your own mind about whether or not there's any validity to it all, you know? How about hooting and hollering? Uh, This is where people stand around doing vocal exercises, uh, making noises of what is thought to be a Sasquatch. And, you know, then, you know, they get downright gleeful if they have some kind of response. Are they sure that the response is coming from a Sasquatch? They seem to think so. Well, never mind proof. Do they have any evidence that there is a Sasquatch out there? Well, not so much. Has anyone ever seen a Sasquatch doing all that hollering? 
Well, no. If you remember from Sasquatch 101 Part 2, such a report should be filed as unknown vocalization because that is all it is. It's not proof of anything. And then there's Tree Twist and Nest. Now, these are longtime favorites for many researchers. To these folks, any number of unusual incidents in the forest are attributed to Sasquatch behavior, whether it's deadfall, trees, twists, nest. You know, nature can do some pretty strange things. I remember many years ago walking the dikes uh, down on the Fraser River. I think I just read a book where the writer claimed that Sasquatch likes to sleep in high grass, out of sight leaving evidence behind by way of beaten down grass or a brush. So, imagine my surprise and glee to come across these large depressions in the tall grass where something huge had bedded down for the night, like a deer or a moose, or did I dare hope? A Sasquatch. And these impressions in the grass were always apparent on the land side of the dike, and never the side facing the open waters of the river, you know? Well, I suppose that made sense. I mean, a Sasquatch would not want to be exposed to the open river. So for the next week, I snapped pictures and took videos of my findings. It was getting very exciting for me, you know? I was planning to jump the gates and walk the dikes at night to catch the culprit red-handed. Well, two days before such an expedition, I was online visiting a site that discussed tornadoes and the various property damage caused by them. Uh, There was a subsection of the site that was strictly about wind patterns, and there I found it. A little picture which caught my attention, and when I clicked on it, there was a larger picture taken down in the States somewhere, on the prairie, and and there was an article about dust devils in the tall prairie grass. Well, to make a long story short, the article spoke about wind currents caused by breezes passing over a berm or a small hill landing on the leeward side, causing a downdraft, which flattened patches of grass. The article even showed pictures of such. There were my Sasquatch nests. Now, I'm not saying that nests on the forest floor are caused by downdrafts, but I am saying don't be eager to jump on the bandwagon of implied evidence without doing some critical thinking. Let's deal with some facts here. It was the late Bob Titmus who, in the early 60s, I believe it was, suggested that twisted trees could possibly be the result of Sasquatch activity. You know, but just as we've learned in politics over the past few years, the retelling of something unproven to be true over and over will eventually be accepted by a lot of people as pure fact. By the mid-1980s, Almost all documentaries were claiming twisted trees were markers made by Sasquatch. The truth of this was never established, but it took on a life of its own. The same holds true for so-called nests and shelters. 
Now, nests are big ticket items for many people in the Sasquatch community, for a lot of researchers in the Sasquatch community. But just think, just think, Sasquatch must have been on Earth for thousands of years. So, logic follows that these constructs, these nests and such, must also have been around for thousands of years. Yet, it has only been about two decades since anyone associated these constructs with supposed Sasquatch behavior. How come? Because 20 years ago, a lady by the name of Kathy Strain, or Moskowitz, which was her last name back then, found this nest structure in Sonora, California, and alluded to the structure as a possible Bigfoot sign. Well, Kathy's a very well-known research scientist, and she certainly has my respect as a researcher. I certainly would not try to prove her wrong when within her field. I recall that she stated it could possibly be a sign of Bigfoot structure, and that was all the credulity that she gave it at the time. But... In the community, a great deal of people accepted her statement as gospel, and most nest sightings claimed since then are considered to be proof of Sasquatch, and still are. As The Rock would say, are you picking up what I'm putting down? To which, being a Westerner, I'd have to say, yep, I'm smelling what you're stepping in, partner. People will penalize you for debunking any long-held belief, even though these very same people are not able to prove their own contention that a Sasquatch made these nests and tree breaks, etc. Logic is not something that's been spread evenly throughout the community. The Shehala sounds debunked by our group, West Coast Sasquatch Research, receive scalding reviews from many sources on the Internet. You see, we were hunting for the source of a rather scary vocalization and were lucky enough after a few weeks to discover the source. Myself and Thomas Steenberg were patrolling the mudflats near the Shehalis Reserve when we heard a vocalization that we recognized and turning, we ran towards the sound. There we witnessed two coyotes calling to a third. They were doing a rarely heard location call I've never heard of this before in my life either. I mean, I've heard coyotes make all kinds of calls, and I tried to duplicate it and find a duplication, but until that day, I'd never heard one. And this is what was called the location call. This is the very same vocalization that had been recorded on a foggy night some weeks earlier down by the river. And uh, believe me, in that atmosphere with the fog and the river and the mountains on the far side echoing things, it was pretty scary hearing that sound coming out of that tape recorder. But, uh, but, you know, it, it just turned out on a bright sunny day that sound wasn't so horrible after all. And the coyotes were witness making that sound. I mean, it was a bummer. Would have rather have found a Sasquatch, but you know, you go where the evidence takes you. However, once we reported our findings to various boards, uh, forums and such around the internet, uh, we were, uh, you know, we uh, heard 
from the fringe believers, as I call them. And uh, they were quick to opine that the coyotes, which we witnessed making vocalizations, were actually imitating Sasquatch sounds to scare us away. As far as the fringe believers were concerned, you know, we were just troublemakers who did not even believe in Sasquatch. I, I don't know. You know, it's like, don't believe your lying eyes or your lying ears. Believe what we tell you. Does that sound familiar? Don't let anything get in the way of a good story, you know. As uh, Mark Twain said, when the legend becomes reality, print the legend. So, since that day, I wear on my arm a coyote tattoo with a Sasquatch in its belly as a reminder. And uh, know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. <laughs> hey, but don't run too far, because uh, next up uh, we'll talk about the Bigfoot Sasquatch community, uh, the online faction. Well, the first thing that you have to know about the Bigfoot Sasquatch community is that it's not a community. Not when it comes to the Internet, anyway. On the internet, it's a clearance house for egos, an echo chamber for fringe believers, skeptics, scientists, hoaxers, the somewhat unhinged. And uh, while this is more apparent in websites and Bigfoot forums and the like, it is all a part of the community to one degree or another. A clearance house for egos. Man. There are a lot of egos in the so-called community. But, you know, this should come as no surprise. It takes a lot to put yourself out there in front of people who will be your peers, you know. You spend a good deal of time researching and forming opinions, some of which will be popular and others that won't. But they're yours, and you have just as much a right to be expressed as anyone else. However... This can be very frustrating when you try to converse with someone who does not have their evidence bar set as high as yours. But, you know, you earned your viewpoint and your outlook, and you refuse to dummy down just to be liked by the echo chamber believers. Uh, these are people who will call you a mean and nasty person for asking questions about a report. They want you to just applaud a good yarn. And if you come off as being too skeptical, this group will not like you on a personal basis. And they will tell you so. Of course, I'm speaking about online debate. Most people are very nice people away from the anonymity of the keyboard. Well, most are. Now, these echo chamber believers, they're easy to spot. They are those in social media who want to hear a story. They're not too interested in evidence, critical thinking, or being skeptical about what's being handed to them. They just want to be entertained. So if you post in public that you had an encounter with a Sasquatch, say, true or not, that is a good thing for them. It's good enough for them. Watch them, you know, gather around the imaginary campfire with their schmores on a stick waiting for a tall tale. 
and God help the skeptic who should accidentally trip into their camp and start asking questions about the encounter. He or she will not leave that campsite unscathed, I guarantee it. You'll be punished for wasting a good story time. Now, the opposite to believers are what I call skeptics on steroids. These are the people just dying for a fight. They do not have a bar for evidence because the only thing that will appease them is a dead body. And even then, they'd wish to poke the corpse a few times just to make sure it's not some guy in a suit. Now, that brings us to the scientists. These are the people who convert a very emotional happening, like being confronted by a Sasquatch, into a weights and measurements petri dish. There's a lot of information to be found with these guys and gals, as these better minds try to find an explanation of what a Sasquatch might be. Directly opposed to them are the hoaxers. Uh, these are people who want to take a shortcut towards their 15 minutes of fame. And how do they do this? By just flat-out lying. They fabricate evidence and, by doing so, gain a great following by the fringe believers. It is usually up to the skeptical researcher to prove this person to be a fraud. You know, the damage they do to the Sasquatch research is immense. And even though their reputation amongst other researchers has been ruined forever, they will still claim an audience, you know? There's a name for this. Some call it the Ivan Mark Syndrome. This refers to a researcher who may have been involved on something of merit once, but the attention finally became more important than the subject that was under exploration. As a result, they start hoaxing in order to remain the center of attention. Good researchers gone bad, you could say. Regardless, as I said, they have their audience. The fringe believers still believe in them. So, in a number of cases, the hoaxer still retains an audience and a reputation of sorts, except among researchers who have very long memories. At least the good ones do. So be cautious. You're going to have to use your high bar for evidence and your gift of common sense to find and avoid these characters. Then there are just some hoaxers and researchers who just plain flat out live in a world of their own. You know, they put out astounding claims which they embellish upon, and it makes them a great draw for the fringe believers. The fringe believers are the people who just know that Sasquatch is out there waiting to be discovered. And many of these believe that the Sasquatch has helped to keep them from being discovered. The fringe believers grasp at all the possibilities when the factual evidence doesn't do it for them. You know, with tin hats, tin foil hats planted firmly on their head, you know, they suppose that Sasquatch are beings from another dimension, or dropped off and picked up by aliens, etc. Name your poison, you know. Uh, but th this is the internet after all. But just wait. To be fair, some forums try to keep sanity on their boards and do not allow any discussion of paranormal, alien, or multi-dimension involvement, etc. And honestly, it takes all kinds to make up any worthwhile movement. Uh, 
However, it is hoped that you rely on your common sense and your research skills to navigate through all of that noise so you can get to the real truth. But you will never find Sasquatch on the internet. And that is the first truth. It requires getting off the couch and going out into the woods. You can do this by combining it with another interest. In my case, IATV, which gets me out in the woods regularly. Snowmobiling, camping, drive the back roads. You'll always remember your trips outdoors as your best memories. Be open, but also skeptical. What we have gone over here are just the basics of Sasquatch research. There's so much more to learn. The main thing is to have fun. And as a disclaimer, I want to tell you folks, I'm not saying that people who believe in Sasquatch, tree knocks, vocalizations, nests, twisters, trees, or, you know, uh, that they're lying or being deceitful. But I am saying there's no logical proof for their belief and little evidence that such is the case. I guess my skeptical senses are just high, that's all, you know. It's uh, whatever you can live with. Now, with this information under your belt, you're ready to go down the path to a fun adventure. Don't be put off, just be wary. You'll have a great deal of enjoyment, you know. And uh, if you have any questions, please write to me at yellowcoyote at talus.net. In the next uh, episode of uh, West Coast Sasquatch Research, I uh, welcome you to join me as I dig out from the files a conversation I had with John Green back in uh, 2003 while I was visiting him at his house. Uh, I had my recorder with me, as I always do, and I said, John, is it okay if... uh, I record our conversation. He was gracious enough to uh, condone it. So uh, the quality may not be the absolute best, uh, but it is it is uh, a worthwhile listen to, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So anyway, get out there, have fun, enjoy yourself, and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Okay, dear listener, that about wraps it up for now. My name is Jerry Matthews. You can reach me at yellowcoyote at talus.net. Thank you for your interest, and until the next time, keep searching. <laughs>